Father, we, uh, we delight to be in your presence this morning with other people here today. Father, we receive from you today everything that you offer us. Lord, we've just saying Christ is enough for me, God, and we just confess that. We state that boldly in celebration. Father, we also confess that in the midst of even this last week when we've worried, when we've been afraid, when we've been selfish, so many different things, God, we confess that we have acted as if you are not enough for us. And so we state right now that you are. We put our faith and our hope, our trust in you. We celebrate the life you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You can be seated. As they're leaving, a special thank you to the choir that uh, was a part of things this morning. We sure appreciate that. If that looks interesting to you, I want you to know that they hold extensive auditions. <laughs> if you want to come and sing, you can come and sing. It's awesome. And God just takes all of that and puts it together into a beautiful offering to him. So we're thrilled to have them be a part of us from time to time. Well, as Pastor Ron shared earlier, we have started in this Romans 12, R12 series. And uh, Pastor Ron last week kind of launched it, giving us a great overview of things. And uh, today we actually get to dive into the meat, verse, the verses, so to speak, out of Romans 12. And um, uh, what we wanted to stay and say and make sure that you understood that in the next five weeks, each week we're going to be focusing on one specific relationship, seeing five relationships as being just very key for us growing spiritually in a healthy way. Each week, again, we'll be looking at one of those five things, and this week, we're specifically focusing on our relationship with God. Now, God will be a part of every week, obviously, but this one is very specifically this vertical relationship between us and God. We're taking a look at Romans 12, verse 1, and we, uh, we read it earlier as part of the verse. Pastor Ron led that. I'd like to read it with you again because we do know that repetition helps things get inside of us, both our heads and our hearts. So let's read this out loud together. Romans 12, verse 1. Follow me. Here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now, I am so excited to be able to teach this verse today because I've really known and loved this verse for many, many years, back to when I was a, a young guy. And, and so I'm excited when I got to, got to found out that I get to teach this, teach this verse. Now, also, it's a foundational verse, and really, I'll just say the best verse in this whole chapter. Not prejudice or anything, but uh, the best verse. It kind of sets the stage for everything that follows it. Now, really quickly to, to understand, because in this verse, there's a therefore, which says something has happened, and because of what we've talked about, therefore, and off we go. So we want to pause for a second. If, if you want to follow along on your outline, Romans 1 through 11, the first 11 chapters of Romans is dealing with what we could call theology. What do we need to know? Know about God, know about life. So it's knowledge-oriented there in Romans 1 through 11. In a nutshell, it really is talking about how can a sinful man be put into a right relationship with a perfect God? Now, there's 11 chapters worth, so I'm really nailing, you know, narrowing it down. There's, there's, but in a nutshell, that's kind of what's there. And, uh, and so, again, there's much more detail in this discussion. But that's those first 11 chapters. In chapter 12, there's this marked change, a marked change from what do we need to know now to say what do we need to do. This now starts a very practical section of Romans, from Romans 12 through the end of the book, uh, chapter 16. You know, we know all the stuff taught in Romans 1 11. We see what God has done for us in Jesus Christ through all that amazing work. 
so what difference does that make in my life? Kind of the so what factor, and and what is our response to what he has done? So we understand this, and so that's what kicks off today. Well, today we get to talk about this concept of surrender. It's kind of a squirmy topic a little bit, in that uh, if you think about it, in battle, surrender is the end of things, right? But with life and God, surrender is, is the beginning, when you surrender in battle, in fact, I had a military guy come up to me after the first service who had served, you know, several decades ago and said, you know what, they taught us you don't surrender. They just, in basic training, they just drilled it into us, don't surrender, you don't surrender, and here's why, and off we went on it. Surrender is a bad thing, and if you end up surrendering, you basically give up and you put yourselves in the hands of the enemy. You give control to the enemy. You're under their control, and that can be scary. Anything goes from that, from that standpoint. So surrender isn't so attractive, but with God, when you surrender, you you still give over control to someone else. It's just he's not the enemy. He's the one who loves you more than anybody else. He's the one who created you, designed you, and in fact, he's the one who has an amazing plan for your life. The one who's going to help you be everything that he created you to be. So instead of a negative surrender that goes scary to the enemy, it's a surrender that says, well, I'm giving over control to the one who has it all for me. So it's a beautiful thing. So we want to, as we look at surrender, ask the question, how do you give yourself completely to God? Kind of an easy question to ask ask and not so easy to answer. See, I've been a follower of Jesus for nearly 50 years now, and I still don't have this thing down, this surrendering completely to God's way. And I say this, that I don't have it down, because I don't want to make this sound too easy, kind of too junior varsity Christianity today that, that we look at briefly and then move on. See, the danger is that we can look at all of these things we're supposed to do and be as a follower of Jesus, and you know, it's just a list of so many things. And this is just one of them, one of a million things we need to do to deal with as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to pray, read our Bible, surrender to Jesus, you know, and off and on and on we go. And that's not true. It's simply not true. See, I'm convinced that this is the thing to deal with as a follower of Jesus. And in fact, I'll be so bold as to say that if we can handle this one thing and do it consistently, and completely, everything else will follow along as a natural result. This one is worth just targeting the center of the target and saying, this is the bullseye, this is worth pursuing. So there is a lot at stake this morning. In fact, if you miss this verse, Romans 12.1, that we're going to be spending the next month looking at the rest of the verses, and the principle that we see here that God reveals to us, um, trying to achieve the rest of this chapter, you know, the rest of our 12 and the rest of all really all potential dynamic fulfilled Christian living, it'll all be a waste of time if we don't get this down, understand it, internalize it, and make it happen. It's, it's going to lead to failure and frustration. So I'm that convinced that this is a big deal. And, and taking some time together this morning, focusing on this one verse may be an amazing investment of your spiritual life and worth doing. You see, when we ask the question today, how can I give myself completely to God? Um, it's right in front of us. That's, that's the question we're asking. And then, and then we're going to dive into the verse to see how God wants to give us the answer in a way that's both clear and lasting. How can I give myself completely to God? How can I surrender completely to his way? Well, I want to start with some introductory thoughts as we begin these first few words. We're going to look at most of the individual words within this verse to really make it come to life. Some introductory thoughts to give the background to what's happening. So first of all, and your outline, I just give a little space if you want to take notes, but you don't have to. First of all, who is being approached? Who is being written to? Now, this is being written to um, brothers. 
and I'll say brothers and sisters. Now, the, this translation, the ESV uh, translation of the Bible, chose to leave that word out uh, because the whole book of Romans is being written to followers of Jesus. And so this is continuing. So when it says you, I appeal to you, it's to followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters. And so I want to make sure that you understand that it's written to Christians, followers of Jesus. And um, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, I want you to listen, whether you're here today or you're watching online or the, all the different formats that it's available. We're glad that you're here. We're so thrilled that you're here and you're participating, listening, whatever. Just want you to understand that anything that's being asked is being asked to followers of Jesus. Anything being promised is being promised to followers of Jesus. And so we just want to make sure that we understand that this is the audience that's here. We invite you to listen and participate. God would absolutely invite you to come and join his family so that this is a part of your life as well. But I just want to make sure we understand that that's, that's what's going on. This is written as encouragement and instruction for those people who've made a decision to follow Jesus with their lives. So that's who's being approached. How are they being approached in this verse? And we see here that it says, I appeal to you. And really another word that could be used here is urge. Now this is a key, a key word in the original, um, the original Greek language in which the New Testament was written. It's parakaleo. It falls somewhere between flat out commanding and beseeching. There's a word you might not use all that often, but here's where it at. It has some of the authority of the word command. Here's what's got some oomph behind it, but it's not a flat-out command, and we'll see why in a few minutes. Paul is not saying you have to do this because it's going to go against the very nature of what's being offered, and we'll see in a moment. But it is still a very strong urging and a very strong appeal here. We see that Paul urges or appeals to believers to take a step in response to God's work of restoring our broken relationship through the work of Jesus Christ. And the significance here is this, the fact that he's urging, that he's appealing this strongly is that, well, he's doing that because it's not easy and it's not natural. If this was easy or natural, Paul might not even mention it. Or if he does mention, it might just be a, hey, just a reminder and just kind of throwing it out there. And we'd all go, oh yeah, piece of cake. It's not a piece of cake. It's not there. Significance is huge. If it was easy, Paul would mention it, you know, and, and let alone urge it. So he's saying, hey, guys, listen up. I really want you to hear this and respond to this. I really want you to catch this. That would be like me as I took, took up my own life with my, look at my own life with all the kids that I have. <laughs> you know, it, it is not like this, especially when my kids were younger. Brush your teeth, you know, or go to bed. There's a command, right? No ifs, ands, or buts. Do it. Now, whether or not they respond is another issue, right? But we can issue a command. That's not the command here. It would be more like this, as my kids, especially now at, at a slightly older age, maybe they come home with some homework, and, ah, dad, it's not due for three days. I'd say, oh, gosh. You know, you can wait till it's the day, you know, the night before it's due and then try and slam it all on there. But, oh, I really urge you to get started on it early. I mean, I appeal to you. Wouldn't it be great to get it done ahead of time so that the night before it's due, you actually can go, I'm done, man. I can kick back. I can play. I can do whatever I want. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, I urge you, get started on your homework. That'd be such a great idea. You'd be developing great patterns for the rest of your life, too, by the way, wouldn't you? And some of you are nodding your head. See, I'm urging. Am I making them do it? You have to do it. No. So you, so you get what's happening. This is Paul going, I can't tell you to do this because we'll see why here because it's a part of what it is. But man, how can I help you see this is important? That's, that's what's coming at. Hey, followers of Jesus, this is important. He appeals to us to surrender to God. And how do we do that? We're not quite there yet because there's one more thing we want to look at for background information, and that is the power behind the appeal. 
Okay, that's the third little note there. And Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Here's this little parenthetical little clause here, by the mercies of God, that almost might feel like a throwaway. Well, yeah, everything is by the mercies of God because God is merciful. No, 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 this is important. He says, I'm urging you, followers of Jesus, and the power and the desire to do what I'm urging you to do is God's mercy. This is what it's all about. This is the focal point. You see, in the ancient world, people offered sacrifices in order to obtain mercies from their various small g gods, their supposed gods, right? I'm going to do these sacrifices, do this stuff, and maybe, just maybe, these gods will, will be merciful towards me. But it's different here. This verse, this verse tells us that it's God's mercy towards us that provides the power and the reason for our sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice to earn the mercy. We receive the mercy that then says, I can receive that, and now I can actually sacrifice for him, and I can surrender to him. You get that there's that switch that goes on there? So the power behind the appeal is lands in God's court. This is huge because it sets the stage for everything. That's why I say this is so important. He says, Paul's saying, I urge you to do something, fellow followers of Jesus, and it won't be natural, it won't be easy. But you can't do it on your own. It doesn't happen due to your own dedicated effort alone. It, it all springs from the incredible mercy and grace that God has given us. So we can take steps to walk like Jesus. So we can live above and beyond what our flesh allows and desires. See, this is the motivation and power to do what God calls us to do. It's his power that realizes it in us, not our own. We receive his mercies and we respond with proper thanksgiving and sacrifice. So there's some background just so we see in those first few words to say, okay, we kind of have a starting point. So what are we urged to do now in view of God's mercies, empowered by his mercy and grace? Well, I want to read the rest of this verse to you, and then we're going to break this down and really see what God has for us. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, in, uh, by the mercies of God. And then he says this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship We want to break this down and see how we can give ourselves completely to God. So surrender, that word we talked about, your true surrender to God must, first of all, be voluntary. It must be voluntary. Now, this is why Paul didn't say it as a command. You have to do this because by nature, for surrender to happen, it appeals to the will, and it has to be voluntary. So he can only urge that to you. Present your bodies. Uh, this, This is the... Another word would be to offer yourself, offer your bodies. It's, it's a willing, here you go, a little hand out. See, no one can force you into it. No one can coerce you. No one can guilt you into this. You choose to voluntarily offer yourself as a sacrifice. You surrender entirely by choice. Now, we'll be referring to the Old Testament a few times today because when you start talking about sacrifices, there was a whole sacrificial system that happened in the Old Testament in the days of animals being offered to God and them being killed and burnt to try and take away some of the sins and some of the 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 distance between us and god so that's the old testament now we start talking about sacrifice it's going to be very different but we want to look at the differences here so in the old testament this isn't like that in those days when you'd find an unblemished sheep or a goat they were picked out of the herd and forced into being a sacrifice that makes sense see the animals weren't asked you didn't come to the herd and say which one of you would like to give of yourself today for our sacrifice. It's going to cost you your life. It's not going to be pleasant. Any volunteers? Matt, no, thank you. Right? I mean, the sheep are running away. It's not a voluntary thing. It, you're unblemished. Here you go. And, and that's what happens. The animals weren't asked, and, um, 
and that's the way it went. But it's different for us today. It's not somebody handcuffing you or tying you up and forcing you up on God's altar. There you go, all set for sacrifice while you're trying to break loose. It's not that. It's like, here's the altar. It's your choice. It's your choice. No one's forcing you to sacrifice yourself. You get to choose. You get to choose to surrender yourself. You exercise your will. Total surrender. It has to come from within you voluntarily for it to be surrender. It's how God works, giving you that freedom of the will. And so that's just that key point we start with, which is why Paul doesn't command, but urges. He says, I'm going to urge you. I'm going to tell you you ought to do this, and now it's in your court. Well, secondly, true surrender begins. It has to be voluntary. But secondly, true surrender to God must be complete. Must be complete. And the verse goes on to say, present your bodies or offer your bodies. And we'll stop right there with that term, your bodies. See, this term bodies is referring to, referring to more than just our physical bodies. See, in the Hebrew view of that time, they saw people as a unit. They didn't see the body as being separate from the inner man. It all works together. We kind of like to do that. You got your, in, you, know, you got your body, you got your soul, and your spirit, your mind. Your, there's all We compartmentalize all through this. That that's not what's happening here. They didn't see all that separation. The body, the body is really the physical part that acts on the choices of your complete being. When it says present your bodies, offer your bodies, it's saying your mind, your emotions, your will, your soul, your spirit all come together to make choices. And as you do that, what happens? Your body acts on it. So all of that is what you give to God. Completely, you give all of that to God. Voluntarily, you do that. And um, see, this is important because I believe you can give your body to do something that is outside of your soul and spirit convictions. You know, you can help or serve somebody begrudgingly, for example, and really not have your heart in it. Have you ever had that happen where you agreed to do something for somebody and then shortly after went, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, yeah, sure, I'll help or whatever. Oh, man, you know, and, and yet, but being the person that you are of integrity, you went through with it, still doing with your body what you said, all the while inside just complaining like crazy. Can't believe us. You know, all that sort of stuff is taking all the time. Okay, whether you did it verbally or not, that was going on internally in the process. So, what's happening? Your physical body is on board, it's doing the thing, but are you totally there and present and, and really making it happen? You're not, are you? We've made this separation, and so your body, your physical body, is not a part of your heart. Your body served, but your mind, will, and emotions, they're not serving. That's not what we have here. Here, presenting your body means voluntarily giving your whole self to God, complete surrender, not just partial surrender. You see, I started thinking about it, and I realized it's way easier to give up a little part of yourself, just a little part of yourself, as long as you can hang on to some of it for yourself. God, I'll give you some of this as long as I can hang on to this. That's not so bad, (laughs) right? In fact, God, especially if I get to choose what I surrender and what I hang on to. But here's the truth. Incomplete surrender is no surrender at all. It's, it's not. Incomplete surrender isn't surrender. And so God says, I'm letting you choose voluntarily to do this, but if you will surrender and want to surrender, it's got to be complete. It's got to be everything. Mind, will, emotion, soul, spirit, body, it's all there. It's a package deal. True surrender is going to be complete. What's voluntary is complete. And third, your true surrender to God must be ongoing It must be ongoing. That verse goes on to say, present or offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. 
Now back to the Old Testament sacrifices. In the Old Testament, when you sacrifice an animal, it didn't, this might be kind of obvious, it didn't live anymore. <laughs> that was what the sacrifice was. And so, it, it, and once it was offered, the entire burnt offering ascended to God, and it could never be reclaimed. Oh, I wish I had that goat back or something. It was gone. It's, it belongs to the Lord entirely. It belonged completely to him, and it was a one-time thing, right? It wasn't like you could reuse that animal or bring him back to life. It's gone, you know. They didn't recycle animals in that sort of a situation there. So that's what we see happening. Now, in the Old Testament, then you would make a sacrifice. You would perform or make a sacrifice, and now it's different. Instead of making a sacrifice, you have the opportunity to be a sacrifice. Instead of making a sacrifice of an animal that died, you get to to be a sacrifice. And we do it because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for for us himself, giving his life for us so we can live. So this living sacrifice, this ongoing sacrifice, we don't have to die because Jesus already died for us. Jesus did that. And the life that he's given us isn't just eternal life in heaven, but it's new and transformed life here on earth. And uh, just as the Old Testament sacrifices that died totally belong to God, it's 100% his, that's the idea we see for us today. We give ourselves completely once to God, and we belong to him. That's great to be able to. The language even implies you this one big give yourselves to God. But um, the life he gives us in Jesus allows us to sacrifice ourselves and live and to make that sacrifice again and again, to surrender again and again. See how that works? It'd be great if I could just do a one-time deal, and then tomorrow I don't have to surrender myself because I already did that once. But doesn't work that way. At least I found that true in my own life. But see, I'm not a dead sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice that can surrender again and again and again, and I could do it every day. In fact, multiple times a day is sometimes called for, darn it. <laughs> because that complete surrender, if I, if I ever get there, turns into kind of half surrender again when I start taking things back. Oh, wait, what did that guy up front say? Incomplete surrender is no surrender at all? Yeah. See, we're called to be the ongoing sacrifice, not just make it. And what's more, we're to be a holy and acceptable living sacrifice. That's what it says, right? It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And I see holy and acceptable, hard for me to say, I see it though. And, uh, and not just because we're all that special, you know. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and now I got to make sure that it's holy and acceptable. How am I going to do that? Uh, I just um, I just turned 55 12 days ago, and um, <clears throat> a little painful. And as much as I like to try to keep myself in good shape, I find that my 55-year-old um, body feels and looks less and less holy to me <laughs> as time goes by. I'm painfully aware that I'm not 35 anymore, and uh, it's, it's not so holy to me, let alone to God. And I'm not sure how acceptable and pleasing I am to God either, frankly. And, you know, you can analyze yourself however you want so you kind of look at this and go i really make it holy and acceptable that sounds like impossibility or a whole lot of work but here's the deal you don't do it you don't do it i am holy to god my body and all of me because i've turned my back on my old life of sin and sin and i desire an ongoing uh, life of obedience that comes from a rich relationship with jesus i'm holy because i set my apart set myself apart for service and i agree with that you see what i'm saying that that's what holy means not necessarily perfect it means set apart and so my desire to say god i want to be set apart for you makes me holy not my trying harder and being more perfect so i have been set apart by god as i've joined 
joined with him and his family so that now I'm holy. And so my sacrifice is holy and it is acceptable. I'm acceptable to God simply because he's made me that way. I offer him everything I have. I offer him everything that I am. And because I have Jesus in my life, then I'm acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, in the Old Testament, the animals were supposed to be perfect in order to be an acceptable sacrifice to God. God says, don't give me your blemished, lame, little, wimpy old animals that kind of like, oh, we can spare this one. Don't do that. That's not an acceptable sacrifice. This is only kind of a tip of the iceberg anyway, but I need you to choose your best, your healthiest, your strongest, your unblemished animals to say, God, this is our best because I want to give you my best. So that's what it was about. Um, and uh, I offer him all I have, offer him all I am. And uh, in the Old Testament, again, when you did that, they're supposed to be perfect to be acceptable, but I am acceptable to God when I sacrifice myself because Jesus has placed his perfection over me and I'm cleansed from all imperfection. Jesus died so I don't have to die in my sacrifice. Jesus' perfection covers me so that I don't have to be perfect in order to make that sacrifice or, excuse me, to, to be that sacrifice. This almost starts to sound easy. Oh, it's not, but it almost starts to sound easy, right? Are you with me in the process here? This is doable, even with the strong urgings. But I'm not cleansed from sin just so I can be free myself and have a big, ongoing kind of a Christian party. Woohoo! That's good, but I'm cleansed and declared clean, holy and acceptable, so I can worship and serve God in this life here on earth. And that will continue into heaven. So finally, your true surrender to God must result in worship and service. It results in worship and service. Now, I have to say, honestly, you almost could rephrase this. It doesn't have to result. It, it doesn't have to result in worship and service. It will result in worship and service. That's, just, that's going to be a natural outflowing of it. That's what it says in the verse. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And try really hard to make it worship. No, no, no. It says, that is, which is your spiritual act of worship. That's what it's going to be. It's going to result in worship and service. And so this voluntary, complete, and ongoing sacrifice is your spiritual act of worship. Excuse me. Now, the meaning of this is bigger than the word worship, because I think when we hear the word worship, we sometimes think, oh, yeah, that's what we do when the band plays and we sing, or we go to a worship service and stuff. First of all, the word worship is bigger than that. But the impact of this word really is talking about worship and service together. In fact, true worship that results in service. That's going to be the natural result. That may sum up this word better. I've given my life as a sacrifice to God. I've surrendered to him voluntarily, completely, and I've, and, and I've volunteered to him you know, totally in every way, continuously. And that is my spiritual act of worship. And that's going to lead to service. True worship of God, complete heart worship of God leads to service. And that's serving God and serving others. That's going to be the, just the result of your true, disur- true surrender to God. It's inevitable. So what you can see is it's a measuring thing. If there isn't worship that leads to service going on in my life, I'm pretty darn sure there hasn't been surrender. Don't work to make this happen. Surrender over here and then delight to see that happen. Well, I want to tell you as I wrap up a part, and then the band's going to play with us in just a moment, some, a song that hopefully will get to your heart a little bit. Uh, some of the things that God has shown me in the last couple of years and then most recently this summer about this process, because I can look at all this stuff and uh, that sounds really good, you know, complete and ongoing and voluntary, you know, submission, surrender. Oh, that all sounds great. Still, how do I do that? 
I mean, how do I do that beyond just great words? And so God's revealed some really complex, unbelievably simple things to me. And sometime in the last year or two, I started praying a really complex prayer. See if you can grasp this. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Know the next line? Holy Spirit, fill me. 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 times. God doesn't need to hear me say it 30 or 40 times for him to get the point. It's I need to hear it that many times for me to get the point. You see, when I become a follower of Jesus, same for you, Holy Spirit comes into you. He wants to fill you and have every part of you, but do you let him? I don't. Not all the time. Sometimes he gets shoved down into my right foot only. And so my process of Holy Spirit fill me is my desire to say, don't just be shoved in my shoe where I kind of stuffed you. I want you to take all of me. But I find when I say that once, I might let him halfway up my calf. (laughs) So I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And I'm trying to make this from my heart. Am I beseeching and begging him? I guess I'm changing my heart through repetitious, almost breathing prayer that happens. And I found that it made a difference. It found that it made a difference. He changed me. My day, when I did that, went better for him. I practiced this with one of my sons, one of my younger sons. And, and after four or five days in a row of doing that, we did that at night. He said, with big eyes one night, Dad, this is really making a difference. And I'm like, isn't that awesome? Why don't I do that every day? And this summer, while we were on vacation... And vacations are wonderful. It was our Montana vacation that, that I had a chance to talk about. Some of you were so excited. Hey, how'd that go and everything? It went awesome. But we were having, you know, five. We have five kids, my wife and I, right? So there's seven of us in a van for two weeks on the road a lot. You're laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> and so sometimes tensions rise, and sometimes they rise higher. And again, we had a little, you know, we have issues. You always do, but grab my son. And one day, and I said, I went upstairs where we were staying. I said, can I tell you about a prayer I'm praying that I prayed yesterday? I'm going to pray today, and I'd love to invite you to join me, but you have to want to. I said, here's my prayer. I said, today, God, this is early in the morning. I said, today, God, I want to be the best husband that I can be. I want to love my wife in the way she deserves. I want to be a patient dad. I want to I be fun, and I want to be a light of Jesus to anybody we encounter. I want this day to be all that you want it to be. Isn't that a great prayer? That's not the prayer. <laughs> Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Because then the next line, and I'm telling my son this, the next line is, God, I don't have a prayer to do on that. I do not have a chance of making that happen. And if I say, help me, God, get there, I have that much of a chance because it's me asking for God to help me. Now, this is my prayer, and I'm telling my son about this. So, God, I can't do this. This is what I want. This is what I think you want, but I can't do it. So, God, I surrender. I give up. If that's what you want today, then do it in me and through me because that's the only way it's going to happen. I, I can't do this. I don't even need your help. I just need. So, have your way in me and through me, and I surrender. And, and in talking to my son, I said, Well, and what do you think you want to have happen today? Well, patience with my sister and, and oh, whatever through that. So we then just prayed this prayer kind of in steps like that. And just, and you know what? It was the best day of vacation that we had. And did you, do you think we did it the next morning? Why did you say no? <laughs> because we didn't. We didn't, you know, because you coast. That's why this is ongoing. And so I, we caught ourselves and we went camping later on in the summer. And my son 
came up to me and said, Dad, can we go pray by the pond over there? I'm like, pray. And then we got over there, and he wanted to pray the, in the morning in the prayers before we went off on our hikes. And we had this cool few minutes together of, God, today, what, what today? What do you put on my heart? God, today I want to... And we kind of go through this thing. And can I tell you, it worked, not because of the magic words. Some of you are going, let me take notes. What's the magic words? It isn't the magic words. It's an understanding. Gosh, God, wouldn't it be great if, but I can't do that. In fact, you can't even help me do that. I got to just stop, and, and, and maybe just maybe you'll do that in and through me. It's total surrender. So this is just a couple months ago. This is my journey right now that I wish... So why don't I do it all the time? I'm learning and I'm working on it. And I'd invite you to join me in this journey, even right now, even right now, because you've heard about surrender. There's an opportunity to surrender right now, not just conceptually, but in actuality. The band's going to lead us in this amazing song of surrender. And uh, get caught up in the feel of it if you'd like. Um, You're welcome to do that. But I pray that this would be a time for you to respond, because the final question is this. Will you surrender? Will you make the sacrifice? And it says in your outline, are you all in? Because God asks for voluntary surrender, complete surrender, and ongoing surrender. And you have a chance to do that. So as you listen to the band, if that means just listen and sit quietly, close your eyes, do that. If it means get down on your knees or fall on your face and surrender, you do that. If it means lift your hand and stand, you do that. But I invite you, if you choose to voluntarily, to begin right now to take a surrender to say, don't just help me, God, but take me and do this.
physical motion of surrender in battle, in the Old West and whatever. Someone says, give up, you surrender, you raise your hands. So I'd offer you the opportunity right now. You don't have to do it. It needs to be voluntary, and it doesn't mean you don't surrender if you don't raise your hands and surrender, but sometimes physically reinforcing what the Lord puts before us is a good thing. Lord, I surrender. Have your way in me with each one of us, Father, whether our hands are are up or not, because it isn't the physical motion, it's our hearts, God, that connect with you now. Oh, you deserve all of our praise, all of our worship. You you deserve our service that comes when we surrender, Lord. So we just lift our hands and say, I can't do it. I receive. Gratefully, I receive. Have your way in me as I surrender. In Jesus' precious name.